Please note, every episode is someone's individual experience. One data point is not representative of everyone's time in the Air Force. Do your due diligence. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or its components. Welcome back to another perspective, a part of the For the Zoomies podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew Cormier. Today's guest is a 2018 Air Force Academy grad who went on to become a healthcare administration officer. As his active duty service commitment was coming to an end, he started his own business, Baskin Financial Planning, where he helps people overcome challenges in investing, including common behavioral barriers. He also hosts the Bluff Finance Podcast where he concisely covers personal finance topics. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Baskin. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that intro. I don't know if I earned that, Andrew, but uh, no, appreciate you <laughs> having me on. I have uh, followed your, your work here you know, quite a bit on LinkedIn. So yeah, excited, excited to get the invite and uh, come talk some finance. I, uh, yeah, I think on our prep call, we got, we got pretty deep into it. So I could, I could do this for hours with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh Finance is a pretty deep subject that I'm happy to dive into anyone with because like this isn't even the first time that I've covered kind of military oriented finance. My first um, episode was with my old AOC, now Lieutenant Colonel Ryan Rudder. Um, I He left as an AOC, what was that, last June, and he's already deployed again as an A-10 pilot, which is absurd. But wow. um, yeah, so I'm happy to be picking up on this topic again and hopefully having some sort of impact and positive impact and how cadets manage their finance. I love it. Yeah. So to get right into it, uh, um, just a little bit of background about yourself. Like what brought you to the Academy? I know you were like an absolute stud on the, on the ice rink, but just, <laughs> no. just go into yourself. Uh, what brought you to the Academy and how was your experience here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So from, uh, Excelsior, Minnesota, um, originally played, uh, hockey growing all the way up and, um, Went to play junior hockey in Aberdeen, South Dakota, uh, about four and a half hours away from home. And um, during my second year, you, you go to juniors, you try to hopefully get a D1 scholarship. That's, that's really the goal. Um, you know, other, uh, if you don't get one, you end up in D3. Um, so I actually had such a bad first year that like I already put a deposit down at St. Olaf College in uh, Northfield, <laughs> Minnesota, um, where a lot of my family went. And I was like, going to go there. And uh, something told me, I just like, I got to go back. I got to try this again. So I went back the second year. Very early on in the second year, um, Air Force comes up to me, like gives me their car and says, hey, like we're interested in having you out. And I'm like, Air Force Academy, what is this? Like I've never even, like barely heard of it. Like mm -hmm. I I'm pretty like, I didn't have a ton of military. You know, I've got a little military family in my background, uh, just my grandpas and stuff, but don't come from like a huge, you know, brat, no brat family or anything. So go out for a visit though. And like, I'm on the plane. I think like 25% chance I'll go here, whatever. So, and then we go for the visit and I'm like blown away. Right. I see like, I see the facilities, I see the offering. Like I always wanted to go to like an Ivy league school. That was kind of like my goal. Use hockey to get into a school that I couldn't mm -hmm. get into without hockey. Like that was the goal the whole time. Um, didn't know for sure what I wanted to do with life. Maybe be a doctor. That was always kind of a goal. Man. Um, yeah, that didn't turn out, but, uh, and then, <laughs> So yeah, went on the visit, was sold, um, pretty much committed, you know, right there. And then, uh, yeah, came in, had a great time, like both hockey and school. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. 
um, was an econ major. Um, just, you know, made lifelong friends there, definitely from the hockey team and then met my wife, uh, Shelly freshman year in the, in the library. So if, you, if you're looking <laughs> for a wife, go, go to the library, group projects. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, we've been together uh, over eight years now. I've been, been married for over two. So no, it's been, it's been awesome. Super fond of the place, honestly, like not, not saying I miss it. Like I'd go back tomorrow and, and, I, and I like want to be a cadet instead of what I'm doing now but um would I do it over again like 100 it was it was totally worth it and uh would re- highly recommend it to to a lot of folks yeah no the the academy um I I did not I was not particularly fond of freshman and sophomore year I mean I knew <laughs> I had to get tough. through it but um <laughs> yeah it was tough but now that I'm on the other side of it and um I'm getting exposed to more of like these grad narratives of what they went through and what it's like, you know, outside it's like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I committed, so I, I only really have one choice, but yeah, no, uh, thanks for that little background. Um, to get things started, I think it would be, it's, it would be useful because I mean, our audience is cadets, maybe some young officers grads interested in keeping up with what's going on at the zoo maybe i don't know but with our primary audience being cadets like kids my age that might not be extremely um like tuned in to personal finance and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. cadets often get caught up in oh like get rich quick schemes and a lot of pitfalls that you can fall into and end up losing a lot of money on um so if you could dive into what kind of pitfalls exist, whether it's an expensive car, like everyone's got to have that Corvette as soon as they get their cadet loan, uh, life insurance, mm-hmm. anything that you see as a pitfall yeah. and kind of how to avoid it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I was telling you, my, my wife wants me to write a, write a little book on this someday, like the pitfalls. Because <laughs> sometimes, like, honestly, for military, especially like early on, like things are, we, right, you get a paycheck. Some of it's tax-free. When you're second lieutenant, you've got the TSP. Like things can be simple. Like avoiding the pitfalls is honestly like kind of more important than necessarily Mm -hmm. doing something crazy out of left field, getting the best investment in the world, right? Um, So yeah, some of the ones I I think I see with like those cadets, especially that have those dangerous loans in their pocket. And then uh, those those second lieutenants that have nice paychecks now, especially the ones living in like LA. Mm -hmm. Um, Expensive cars, you hit on that one, like, it's funny, our, uh, our OR for hockey, uh, Phil Groundseth, um, Colonel Groundseth, he, back in the day, he said when he was a cadet, 19, I think it was 1970, I can't remember what year you guys did it, but <laughs> he said they would only give you the loan, it was six grand, and they would only give it to you if you were going to buy a car with it. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, you couldn't, you couldn't just take cash. That's, so like everyone on the loan day, would all of a sudden, the, the lot would have like 300 Corvettes in it, like every year. <laughs> So it just shows you like how ingrained it is in like academy history for like cadets to go, oh, I get the loan, I go, go get like a nice car. Like, yeah, it's just like they they've tied together for years. So I, a car is a depreciating asset, right? Like, um, you you have your whole life to drive expensive cars. Uh, definitely something you don't need to do early on. Um, different, I guess if you're gonna buy a car in cash, you know, pay fifteen grand for it. Um, gosh, with used cars prices, that might be tough these days, but. Um, a car is something to go cheap on early on, though. That is like such a, I have a foot stomper because um, a lot of people fall into that. Not only cadets that 
or young lieutenants, but I think officers uh, at, at all ranks probably buying too much car um, when they should be focusing on other areas. So that's one mm -hmm. um, stock picking, IPOs, um, you know, some speculative, speculative investing. Um, it's fun. You can do it. Don't do it with like large sums of money. Um, I think I told you the story. I can't remember. I think it was Snap, Snapchat IPO when I was at the Academy and all the management <laughs> department was like buzzing, like, man, I got Snap. Like, then like by like lunchtime, they were all down like 40% or something because it like had such a tumultuous <laughs> day. So I don't know, like that stuff, like, again, like investing, true investing should be for the long term. Um, I, the odds of you making it rich overnight on, on your buddy's stock tip or some NFT you found online, like, all this stuff is just so speculative and there's, there's people out there, again, algorithms, big trading desks that are making millions of dollars on this stuff. Um, you on your iPhone on, on Robinhood have no chance to beat them. So you mm -hmm. know, the only way to win is just play the long game. Um, whole life insurance. Another one, again, you're going to graduate. You're going to get a DM from somebody who works for a certain mutual fund company, um, a certain company out there. I won't name them. They're going to try to sell you whole life insurance. Um, I, I can't obviously recommend products or I don't, I'm not going to, this isn't financial advice. None of this is, but it's probably an unsuitable product for uh, almost all, you know, second lieutenants. Uh, it just doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. Life insurance is great. We want us to all have, we want uh, maybe some extra terms, especially if we have a spouse or kids very early on. Um, we want to protect that uh, loss of life, loss of income, but um the whole life insurance mixes the investment in the insurance part and does it in a really expensive way. That doesn't, doesn't make sense for a lot of young, healthy people. Actually, can you break that down? Because mm -hmm. I'm not exactly, all right. Yeah. I've, I think I should have mentioned this before. This is not financial advice. We probably should have yeah. put that disclaimer out in the beginning, <laughs> but um, because I like, I think people can get kind of confused. What is SGLI versus whole life insurance? Yeah. Uh, what's the difference? Yeah. So SGLI is a form of term insurance. Um, right. So term life insurance is for a specified term and that SGLI term is as long as you're in the military, right? It's $500,000 of pretty affordable coverage right now. I think the premiums are $31 a month. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that, that will pay out to your beneficiaries. If you die, um, when you get out of the military, it's a different story. Um, you're not able to have SGLI. So it's similar to like a company benefit offering you a term insurance policy, which is very common in the civilian world. Uh, a whole life insurance product is permanent in the in the sense that as long as you pay the premiums, this life insurance product will exist until your death. Right? You could be paying premiums till you're 95 on it. Um, so when you think about that, just as a from a philosophical perspective, it doesn't make a lot of sense to want to own an insurance policy for your whole life. Insurance is to protect against loss of. Uh, you know, life that would cause loss of income for those that depend on you for income. Every cadet's goal, every every military officer's goal should be to be financially independent long, long, long before uh, they're dead, right? Assuming mm -hmm. you're gonna you're, you're gonna live till you're ninety, you know, eighty five, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, we don't even we don't want to own any insurance someday. That's the goal, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyways, the from a philosophical perspective, that you don't really want to own insurance your whole life, and then. But what they've done is there's like investment pieces of these insurance products. Um, there's like an insurance portion and an investment portion. They're mixed together in a very expensive way. 
uh, that makes these products uh, many many times more. I wrote an, I wrote a did a blog post on this uh, maybe a year and a half ago. I wanted to say it was like 15 times more expensive per dollar of insurance for a whole life policy, right? Hmm. So instead of 31 bucks for 500k coverage, right? Multiply that by by 15. That's like that that was the math I was doing on average that I came out with. So it's okay. Anyways, just just for for most folks isn't isn't going to be the right type of insurance. Okay. How about like other types of loans, like um, payday loans? Uh, this is kind yeah. of inapplicable, but student loans. Um, yeah. Multi-level yeah. marketing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So loans are. I mean, obviously, payday loans not a good idea. Um, they're they're parked outside of all the military bases. You'll see them. Um, I think we actually, pay, when the government lenders. shutdown, the the yeah. government shutdown, I. Th- because I, I, this is the first time I've really heard the term before. Yeah. We briefly discussed it, but because yeah. uh, the government shutdown was gonna like not let us get paid until yeah. it, they came to a conclusion about it, um, USAA was offering, I think, uh, payday loans. Is that correct? Well, yeah, it was paycheck loans. That's that's what those were. So okay, okay. USAA, who who knows that you're getting paid because they know you're in the military and they have your direct deposit information straight from. DFAS, right? Mm-hmm. So they are going to cover in the case that that we don't get paid because of a shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's different. I think that's probably a good thing. That's like okay. good that they're doing that. Uh, you obviously need to be careful with that too. If we do get a shutdown, have an emergency fund, right? That's that's kind of mm-hmm. another financial planning topic. But um, no, the payday loan is more like hey, strip mall, big like letters on the windows that say like you know pay paycheck loan, basically sign over your paycheck now that you're going to get like a week from now and we'll give you a thousand bucks and they charge you. So they try to like basically give you an advance on your paycheck. If that makes sense. Okay. And then what they'll do is they'll charge you interest, crazy amounts of interest on those loans. What are those rates usually like? They're very predatory. Well, they're not really supposed to be higher than 36%, I believe, but they, they, (laughs) they're not exactly the most, um, they're not exactly always following the rules. So, uh, they can be they can be much higher. Um, they're they're not again. They're, there's regulations. They're not supposed to be. But anyways, they're they're very predatory. They do target service members that they know have a steady paycheck and that are lower income, typically enlisted, and they know that those folks, uh, you know, their their budgets are tight. They're always looking for more money. Um, mm-hmm. You know that E1, E2, E3, and, and they kind of wave this cash in front of them and say, oh yeah, just sign here. So it's it's very predatory. Um, okay. But yeah, pay, that's payday. Um, student loan, like that's not always going to be applicable, right? We've got GI Bill, we've got TA. I would say use TA, right? Use GI once you're once you're able to use it. But I, for a student loan, I'm I'm saying more like be careful on bad ROI, right? Um, I have my MBA. I, I don't know if we talk. I have my MBA on the wall. That's about all it's good for. Um, I didn't <laughs> go into debt for it. I'm not saying it's bad ROI, but like. I just got an MBA just because like, that's what you do. You graduate the academy, you get an MBA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had time, I did it. Um, I don't know if it was really hard me to do it, but I, I just did it. Um, it doesn't really help that much in my business, gives me a little credibility. But my point is, don't go into student loans on bad ROI, you know, investments, um, like stuff that just isn't going to pay off. So we're debt free out of the academy. Um, it's great to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about cars, uh, payday, uh, real estate, real estate. So oh, sorry. Double, double edged sword, double edged sword, right? 0% down VA loans. Pretty cool that we can like, like 
get out of the academy, get a duplex, triplex, live in one <laughs> unit, house hack, rent it out to friend. Like we can build wealth that way. Like that's totally doable uh, if it all works out perfectly. Mm -hmm. uh, the math recently has made it a little bit tougher to do stuff like that, just with the interest rates being, you know, triple what they were 24 months ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I just say, I just say a caveat with be careful with um, getting into real estate deals. Um, I'm, I'm no way, I do not predict the market, no way am I a fortune teller, but just if you look like at, at a macroeconomic view, like interest, interest rates, mortgage rates have, they're at like what, 30, 40 year highs. Um, real estate market is, it seems to be kind of peaking. Like, so now you're getting into, uh, you know, a loan that you're paying all interest up front on a house that you owe more than it's even worth with a value that's potentially decreasing. Like over the long run, if you have tenants, it all works out. Sure. Um, but in the short run, if we've got to get out of that property for whatever reason, like you could find yourself in a, in a, in a bit of a pickle. Um, mm -hmm. so I don't, anyways, I just say that to, to say like real estate doesn't have to be the way to wealth. It can be through business. It could be through just investing in your TSP, your Roth IRA, right? Like mm -hmm. basic stuff. Um, you don't have to get fancy, um, to, to build wealth. That's, that's, that's pretty much my only point there. And then last one I think is that it's just pyramid schemes, multi-level marketing. Um, God, there's a billion of them out there. You've seen them. Uh, I can remember when I was in junior hockey, somebody, buddy of mine from high school messaged me about a cruise ship like membership i can't even remember it was like a cruise ship <laughs> travel membership some it was totally like an mlm deal and i'm and i texted my dad or called my dad about it and i was like i'm gonna do this and he's like son this is uh this is not this is like a scheme like you, you do not do this we do not do this um so yeah so props to my dad for talking me out of that but just being careful with with that stuff if it seems too good to be true probably is. So can you give I, some like common ones that are probably preying on kids my age today um, just to be so that they can be aware of them? Yeah. So like, you know, I, I try to tune obviously try to try to tune them out quite a yeah. bit, but like one that definitely comes to mind, like it's product based and it's pretty big. It's like Arbonne. Um, I don't, What's again, that? Like I don't a, know. Familiar. It's like health. There's a lot of health supplements out there that are like, they're actual supplements. They're not real products. They're totally mm -hmm. legit. It's not like they're doing something completely illegal. It's just the way they're structured is like, it's a scheme, right? So you, you get into it, you buy, you have to buy a certain amount of product per month, and then you have to sell product. Like the only way whoever recruited you into it is making money on every sale that you make, right? And then mm -hmm. they want you to go out to all your friends and family and recruit more people to sell this stuff or or to, for you to sell it. So it's all just like, basically think about it, like health supplements, you have to buy $500 of health supplements a month and you can sell it or anything you don't buy, you have to just buy it. Like there's there's minimum minimum fees per month that you have to pay. And anyways, they, so they what they try to do is have you go market this product, uh, have you go recruit more people, you get mm. people under you. It's like, so that, so when you say pyramid scheme, that's, it's not a, it's not like a Bernie Madoff, it, like it's real product, but it's like sucking you into a system where like 95% of people aren't going to make any money from it. That's like a, you yeah. put the stats on it. It's like the 5% that are really going to sell the product, all their friends and family recruit a lot of people drive the Bentley. Like they'll, they'll make, they'll make money. It's not like fake money. It's real. 
Mm. But like, it, they do suck you in with like, if you do this, this, and this, you can drive the company car, like all this stuff. So just something to look out for. Now that you mentioned it, I think like one of my ex-girlfriend's mom, like I remember this happening yeah. in middle school with like makeup or yep. like beauty yep. products. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, very common. It's ringing a bell now. Yeah. Super common. So yeah, it's again, too good to be true. Probably is. <laughs> okay. And this, I, this might be, um, I just off the top of my brain because it's pretty hot now, yeah. but sports betting. Is that, oh, do you see that as a pitfall? <laughs> for sure. I didn't even think about that one. Um, yeah, it can be kind of fun though, huh? Um, <laughs> that's not advice, but like, if there's a line, right? Like, if we're talking, if, if we're talking like, like if we're playing around with a hundred bucks on DraftKings, what's the difference between that and Robin Hood, right? Like, that's the way I see it. Um, it's like, like you playing around with GameStop stock, like same difference. Um, mm -hmm. it, if you want to bet on sports, like I, I, as hard as it is to do, like obviously keep it in the confine, keep it in confines of reality, right? A uh, hundred, hundred bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is really small. But um, for people with gambling addictions, yeah, that's for sure. A, that's for sure a pitfall. But, um, but no, as long as you can keep that in a box that it belongs in, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, so taboo. Yeah, don't put a, a f like half your cadet loan on a fourteen leg parlay. Is what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. It, precisely. <laughs> awesome. So we, we knocked out pitfalls that hopefully cadets yeah. will avoid. Moving into a concept that I learned through a book called "The Simple Path to Wealth." Shout out to Colonel Rudder again because he gave me that book and I read it in like a, a weekend. But there's this concept of the four percent rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. Um, you're probably better versed in explaining this to me. So I'll, I'll, I'll the floor is yours. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the 4% rule, um, based on the Trinity study, they did a study of like all these 30 year periods that said, Hey, if we have a basic 60, 40 portfolio, 60% stock, 40% bond, um, we should probably be safely able to withdraw 4% uh, from that portfolio per year per, for our income and, and never run out of money. Mm -hmm. Um, and have a pretty good chance of, or have a, like a really good chance of succeeding success, right? Never running out of money. Um, so it's based on a lot of math. Um, and I'll, there's a ton of different scenarios that could happen, right? Like you could, you could retire during the best time in history to retire, right? During a, a Super Bowl market when your portfolio is at its peak. Um, mm -hmm. You could retire during like the worst time in history to retire, um, right? The lost decade. There's been, there's been plenty of times in history where, um, it would have been very detrimental to retire and start drawing on your portfolio. So, but they, they said, Hey, through thick and thin 4% and you should be safe. So, um, the reality is, uh, if you are able to make dynamic distributions, so moving that rate up and down based on whether the market, uh, is doing well or, or poorly, give yourself kind of a raise or a, or a cut, if you will, in your, in your mm. spending, um, you can actually, uh, bump that uh, dynamic distribution rate up to like a four and a half uh, studies have shown a uh, high 4% if you're willing to like move it around based on what happens in the market. So um, all that to say, it's a, it's a rule of thumb um, and it makes math easy. Um, right. If we just say, Hey, I need X per year in retirement, right. A, a hundred grand. We're going to multiply that by 25 that, like, then that's, or divide it by 0 0.04, which is 4% mm -hmm. multiply it by 25. So, Hey, I need 2.5 million. Okay, let's do the math on what it takes to get there. What do we have now? What does it take to get there? So um, 
definitely helps to give you context, I think, around, um, you know, how to think about how much you might need someday. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just know that it's it's not set in stone. Um, and I think when you retire does make sense or does, sorry, yeah. does matter uh, for what you're going to end up with. Because, like, if we run a thousand scenarios of of you retiring during, during certain economic environments, sometimes you might end up with 10 bucks. Other times you might end up with 20 million, right? If you just like, if we just keep plugging up 4% the market's going crazy because you just like happen to retire during a good time, a period, a good period, like mm-hmm. you're going to have estate tax problems. Um, so like I, success is not just having enough money. It's also enjoying it, right? I think ending up with too much money can can also be a failure if you look at it that way. Like, hey, we didn't actually enjoy enjoy our life. Mm-hmm. Like we've worked too hard too long. Yeah. No, and so just to break it down, mm-hmm. or hopefully I can recap what you said yeah. in a way that made sense for me when I was learning about it. Um, so if somebody wants to live off their investments mm-hmm. of, and I think the the investment was assumed to be, uh, you said 40, 60% like stock, stocks, bonds. Yep. Um, in the book I read, I think he invested in VT Sachs. Sure. That was yep, the, that could be the stock. It was portfolio. just like Vanguard total stock. Yep. Yeah. Like a whole, whole market stock, um, yep. ETF. And if you have however many million, 4% of that equates to your monthly or annual cost of annual. living, Yep. annual cost of living. And so from there you can quote unquote, not work. You can choose to not work. Right. Because the growth of that however many million in VT Sachs or whatever um, ETF you choose will grow at a faster rate than both inflation can depreciate it as well as however much you take out. Yep. Yeah. Or or okay. keep pace with. I mean, again, that's kind of where the dynamic comes into play. Like the difference between 4% and 5% can be huge. Mm-hmm. Like 4% yeah. you could end up with 30 million, 5%. You could be you could be broke before you're done. Like it could mm-hmm. be that start. So, so yeah. But the, but you're getting it right. Yeah. It's 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 hey, we're taking out enough to live on, but we're also um, leaving enough in there to grow and continue to compound. Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick. I hope you're enjoying the episode. I just wanted to take a second to tell you about my good friend. I grew up playing hockey with. His name's Jake Tebow. During my freshman year parents weekend, I was notified that Jake got into a severe hockey accident where he was paralyzed from the waist down with little hopes of walking again. Through the help of many generous people and a no quit attitude, he's been able to make great progress, but he still needs your help. If you want to check out his story and donate, his website is tbo14tough.com. That's T-B-O, the number 14tough.com. Or check out his Instagram, jake.tebo, to support his progress. Thanks. This means an absolute ton. Now back to the episode. And I think um, you made an interesting point about not enjoying life. Like if you only prioritize like making making your investment number go up, um, you miss out on other aspects of life. Um I think that's pretty valid as well because you don't want to just chase a number and end up living in a trailer park your entire life just to achieve that goal. And then you end up dying with no experience or anything to your name, really. 
Um, and another thing that I, I've heard recently is this concept of instead of investing in the S and P 500, you invest in the S and me 500. Have you ever heard of that? S and me. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. Not sure so like the S it's, it's kind of like a play on words, but instead of investing in the market and banking on the market, the U S market, yeah. um, to, to go up, you invest in yourself, whether that's education or your business, and then you bank on yourself outpacing the market. That's amazing. Um, I need to start using that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's great. I, cause I totally prescribe to that. Right. Um, I do think like I got sure I've invested in the stock market for, for a decade now, but like, uh, investments in myself, like for me, it's reading books. I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. bookworm. I love reading. I hit a book, a book a week this year. Finally, it was like the, that was, that was a goal for <laughs> a long go. time. We hit it this year. So like those buying books, like when I go on Amazon, he's reading that, magic like, Treehouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Clifford, Clifford. Um, no, like when I go buy books on Amazon, I'm like, I don't even think about it. I'm like, it's such a, I mean, what a great investment. Like I get to, you get to, someone yeah, the ROI poured, so high. Someone poured yeah. 10 years of their life into a book and then you get to like read it. Like that's, a, there's just so much you can get from books. So um, my business now, like I'm investing in that, obviously. Um, I do, so I do love that. S and, S and me. Uh, the S and, <laughs> Is that what it was? S and me. It does make sense. Yeah, S and P versus S and me. Yeah. S and P versus S and me. Yeah. But but you do at the same time do want to have that that stock or whether it's investment, real estate, whatever it be, that traditional investment. But um, I'm I'm a massive fan of the, the entrepreneurship and, and investing in yourself or just like even just whether it doesn't even need to be entrepreneurship. But even if it's just like, hey, I'm gonna study for the MCATs because I'm gonna invest in me because I'm going to go to a good medical school and I'm going to be a doctor. Right. That's mm-hmm. like invest in me. Um, that's because you are, you are, I mean, the biggest asset, like your brain, your abilities, your future income earning potential, like that's your biggest asset. It isn't, you know, the, the hottest investment, the Apple stock that you're going to go buy and time the market perfectly. Like that's not going to make you rich. It's, it's you. So mm-hmm. I love that framing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We were speaking about this before, but you mentioned last week and we don't need to get into it if you don't want to, if you don't think it'll be useful for the show. But um, you mentioned Dave Ramsey's hot take on the 4% rule and how it's invalid. Do you have a rebuttal if you want to bring it up? No, I just see there's a lot of planners out there talking about uh, last week. He, uh, yeah, he went on and said that he, he thinks you should be able to withdraw 8% from your investments because if you get 12%, you know, that's what he claims, 12%, then you should be able to take out 8 mm. Um But yeah, I, I, there's a lot of math behind why why that doesn't make sense. Again, like if you retire during certain periods of time, 8% will deplete your portfolio because you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. So you got to think of the sequence of returns is what it's called. It's called sequence of returns risk. Um so 12% average annual return, even if that's true in a certain mutual fund, that is an average annual return over like a 30-year period. You don't mm-hmm. just get 12, 12, 12. You get negative 30, and then you get negative 10, and then you get, right? Like, then you get zero, yeah. 30. Like, it's, so if you retire and you start drawing, like, you know, it'd, it'd be easier for me to show you on a, on a screen, but the... You'd be you'd be depleting your portfolio probably in a lot of scenarios. So, anyway, see, there's just a a, a math uh, 
that doesn't work out in, in what he was saying. But um, I, I mean, I do, I do uh, a lot of what he says. I think like it, it does like resonate with folks, and obviously he does does good work. So no, not definitely don't want to bash Dave, but <laughs> but uh, no, and I'm I'm actually a, a Smartfester Pro now. One of his that he uh, so I, I I partner with Dave's team to for uh, to help out any, anyone that needs investing help through through their website. So, um, but no. I, the 8% just probably wouldn't work in a lot of scenarios. Okay. Any other topics that you want to cover about the 4% rule? Are we good? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm good there. All right. Sweet. Another uh, topic that I'm sure a bunch of cadets are, are curious about cadet loan uses. Cause I've had a bunch of different ideas pop into my little pea brain about how I could somehow create a, some sort of return on this $36,000 that I've been trusted to not do anything irresponsible with. Um, I guess I'll give my, what I'm doing with it right now. And um, again, not financial advice, but I think it's a pretty good arbitrage opportunity. I've had a bunch of things go through my mind. Like, Oh, I could create a, like a Bitcoin mining rig and then like, like use it here at the Academy and, that would be a cool investment or I could just invest it into this podcast, get a bunch of really cool microphones and make the quality of the show go up way more than, you know, the host could uh, potentially do it. And, but like, I, I was like, those are probably not the best ideas. So what I settled on is because I already have the Amex platinum card. Um, I'm already involved with American express. My brother told me that they hold a, uh, 4.3% uh, yield on their high yield savings account. I understand that's not permanent, but considering the interest rates are so high right now, I didn't think it was a bad place to put it considering 4%, 4.3% interest rate uh, or like yield on the bank account is much higher than the 0.75% that I'm being charged for the loan. So it's a pretty easy way over five years to just make a couple grand. So yeah. I'd love to hear your opinions on it and maybe some other uses that That's you you, yeah. you see as feasible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when I was at the academy, um, you know, interest rates on high yield savings accounts were like like forty zero point four percent, and uh, and the and the loan was still seventy five zero point seven five percent. So like this arbitrage didn't exist when I was there. So it's interesting you guys have that now. Um, mm -hmm. You're not wrong. That is just like free yield you can go grab. Um, so that's that's like a safe thing to do with it. I would say um, you know other you know that, and that's fine. Uh, you know after interest rates go down eventually. Uh, you know, maybe a high yield savings might not make sense. You probably have some better places, I would say, long term to put that money uh, mm -hmm. as well. When you think about like your Roth IRA, um, you know, your TSP, maybe maybe saving for a house. Um, maybe it's buying that $15,000 car that you really, really need instead <laughs> of, and I really need, you have to really need that now. Um, instead of uh, taking out a loan for it at a high interest rate. Um, I will say like one thing I did uh, and, and I, 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 I want to give credit cause I think I, I think I got this idea from Dr. Mary Kelly, who's a uh, instructor at the Academy. I, I don't know if she comes and teaches anymore, but she guest lectured 
when I was there in, in the econ department. And uh, she gave us the idea of, hey, take that take that $36,000 loan. Is it still 36? Yes. Okay. Inflation, they didn't bump it up. What the heck? Um, <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? Yeah. But um, no, take that loan and then live if you have to as a second lieutenant, like live cheap, but live off that loan if, if needed. Like, like we're talking like 500 bucks here, 500 bucks there, and then max out your TSP if you can. So like that's, you know, because if you think about it, you can't take 36 grand and put it into the TSP. Like that, you can't just do that, right? TSP comes mm -hmm. from your paycheck. But what you can do is when you graduate, go into your LES, you know, elect to start allocating something to the TSP in my pay, uh, and, and you can max that baby out. Uh, and if there's a Delta now, your paychecks are going to be really light, right? Because you're tossing mm -hmm. whatever it is a month, two grand a month into the TSP almost now in 2024. Um, but you can supplement with a little bit of money from that, that loan if needed. So basically mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're, you're almost washing your paycheck. Sorry. You're washing your 36 grand loan through your paycheck into the TSP, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I, I, I like that strategy of just like, if we're able to, again, abstain from the mistakes, we're able to kind of avoid, again, instead of buying the Tesla, let's, let's live reasonably and then take that money, max out our retirement accounts as much as we can. Cause we just have so many years of compounding. Um, I'm 30 now. I feel old, but like most cadets graduating are 22. Uh, you just have so many years of compounding ahead of you. It's, it's so amazing. Um, and I think doing a really good job early on of saving and investing before life gets really complicated and expensive with kids and you start traveling more and buying stuff. Um, I don't know. Life was, life's really simple right out of the academy. So use that, take it to your advantage, use it to your advantage, use the loan to your advantage and do a good job early on. Cause it will give you more options later on. I can tell you for myself, like we maxed out TSP really hard for like four years. And then like recently, like in the last year, like we just started backing off of it because we're like looking at what we have. And we're kind of doing that math on the 4% someday. And we're like, oh, mm -hmm. we're, we're like sitting really good. Like we've done a really good job those first few years. So um, we're able to kind of divert funds to my business, to kind of our future house that we want to buy in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, other, other things, traveling. Uh, we're going to Paris for the Olympics next summer. Uh, That's sick. Summer Olympics. Yeah, we're pumped about it. Not it wasn't wasn't cheap, but it was it, it, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I would just say all that to say, um, I think that would be something smart to do with your loan. Just use it towards those long term investments early on as much as we can. Gotcha. I guess this would this probably would have been a better time to bring up the S and Me five hundred. But another topic that you wanna wanna cover is entrepreneurship, whether that's yeah. at the academy, which is probably. <clears throat> a little less feasible, but, um, considering that I talk to a lot of acquisition officers and I guess a lot of lieutenants in general, not necessarily pilots. Cause I know they got a pretty rigorous, um, flight school to, to deal with in the, the almost couple of years after, uh, commissioning, but for jobs like acquisitions, and I don't know if it was a similar for healthcare or, um, hospital administration, but you don't have, you have a lot of free time is, is what I hear from people that were, were, were in recently. And with that, 
you can either spend a lot of time, you know, chilling at the beach if you're out at LA, uh, Space Force Base, or I don't know, doing whatever with your free time, or you could use that time that you're probably not going to have as a as a captain or a major to build something like a business or another way to generate income. Um, do you have any thoughts? I mean, you're you're a pretty successful entrepreneur yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, huge fan of entrepreneurship personally. Like um, I told you, I'm book bookworm, so I was reading like a lot of books on entrepreneurship. And like right when I graduated the academy, um, not that I had like a bad job, had a great Air Force job. Highly recommend hospital administration for anyone looking listening. Great job, um, but I just knew it wasn't for me. Like I just I have like the business owner bug. I had to, I had to start something. So mm-hmm. that, that business for me just happened to be financial planning. Um, I never really thought about going to work for a big firm or anything. Um, it, it, I just, I had to own my own business. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, I think active duty military have such a good opportunity just with like a steady paycheck, a solid paycheck. Um, especially if you're married, like you both have solid paychecks. Like my wife and I are mill to mill. That helps. Um, like we have this, this great paycheck with, and if you have a job that isn't, again, like some of my pilot buddies would have been really hard for them to, to start businesses. They're working many more hours than me, but, um, I was home at four forty every day in my apartment in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Like, what do I do now? So like got to work on the MBA, you know, got to work on figuring out what it took to start a firm, study for the CFP exam, um, build this thing out. Um, so I would encourage, I, I do think like that is the, for me, again, the, the most fun and best investment I could make is in my own business and starting something that's mine. Um, I, mm-hmm. I just think it's so great to, as a military member, to be able to do that, have the financial resources to do that. And then you don't have to commit, like you can go start something, see how it goes. And like, if it takes off and you love it, you can get out and do it. Um, I, I knew from day one, I'd be getting out and doing this. Like that was the plan this whole time. It wasn't like, Oh, we'll see if it works. Um, but I do know folks that have started stuff in the military and, and, you know, they just kind of do it on the side. Maybe they do 20 years. I know a, another guy um, that, that is a planner that has, does the same thing I do. And he's just going to do his 20 and then do this. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just great. I love the ability to have that side hustle. give you the flexibility to, you know, serve, you know, continue to do, you know, a job hopefully that you enjoy. Uh, but then also have that passion project that, is bringing income and has uh, tons of upside, uh, certainly in the future for you to have that, you know, life autonomy, that location autonomy, time autonomy. Yeah, that last part about autonomy, I wanted to dive back into, you mentioned you wanted to do finance, but you didn't want to do a firm, you wanted to do your own thing. And I just wanted to maybe track into that a little bit more yeah. because one thing that I, I'm kind of feeling by doing this whole podcast and hopefully sometime in the future, being able to build it into something that connects grads to cadets and serves as this repository or just resource for people to, to make decisions about their future. Um, I'm learning that you get this autonomy that you were speaking about. You get to, work from where you want you get to spend your time how you want you're not dictated to be at a certain place by a company 
Um, I would love to hear your opinion on it because it sounds somewhat similar. You're saying just as being an entrepreneur, you get that autonomy. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's huge for me. Um, like I, that's something I thought about from day one. It wasn't like, Hey, I want to be a billionaire. Like let's go start a business. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it's not like that. I mean, military pay, honestly, the military pays you great. Like talk to, talk to your average college grad, like military pays per officers. Like it gets, it's pretty good at the captain those early years. Like sure. It ends up topping, topping out, but um, you know, for me, the, the time and location autonomy is huge. Um, I just, I, I wanted something where honestly, like I thought about, we don't have kids yet, but I thought about like the kids that we'll have someday. Like I want to be able to like go coach their hockey or baseball game or go like mm -hmm. go to it. Like I won't miss a single thing because I call all the shots I own the schedule. Like I just couldn't imagine a world for me where I, I'm not able to be at some of those things this like a recital or something because mm -hmm. uh, of some, some boss needs something. Like I just, it doesn't work in my brain. That's the biggest yeah. thing for me is the, cause again, going back to like not dying with, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars didn't enjoy life. Like that's it for me. I'm, I'm willing to accept honestly, like a lower income if it meant more freedom, more autonomy. And that's what also pushed me into entrepreneurship. I'm like, I can, if I can make this thing work, um, like even if my income's lower versus like military pension, all that I could have gotten had we done 20 years. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm still happy if, you know, I can have that autonomy. It's, it's priceless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like reflecting back on it now. Um, my dad, he was self-employed and I don't know, he, he labeled himself as self-employed his entire life because I mean, he owned his business, but it was never entrepreneur. That's just clicking in my head right now, but he was a construction worker. He had, he owned his own like kitchens and bath remodeling thing. And he never missed a single, he was always my coach, hockey coach growing up lacrosse. He never missed a tournament, uh, anything for me. And that was largely enabled by him dictating his own hours. Obviously that meant some nights he would get home later because he had to freaking bang in some flooring one night. But I mean, that, that didn't mean that he couldn't be there when, you know, he wanted to support me, whether it was sports or, you know, at some other competition. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, looking back at that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, my dad was, has been, i uh, just worked for a big company his whole life, had a really, had a successful career. Um, but I do remember him going on trips, you know, taking mm -hmm. off for like business trips and I hated it. I was like, dad's gone. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny. Um, thinking back to that, uh, you can see that mm -hmm. entrepreneurship does, it does definitely give you that, that, uh, that option or that, you know, the ability to spend the time where you want to spend it and give up the income if you want. Um, that's yeah. the tough thing about W2 is it's like, no, like, it's like, Oh, like Deloitte's going to pay me 250 grand to do this. Like, they're not going to pay me 180 if I take off every Friday. Like this doesn't work like that. Like mm -hmm. they're hiring you for a job and you got to do the job. So um, pros and cons mm -hmm. though, like obviously tons of W2, like tons of uh, benefits, like my gosh, like insurance benefits, life disability, right? Um, great. Some pensions that are still out there um, that still exist. So there's, there's pros and cons. Some people wouldn't touch entrepreneurship with a 10 foot pole. Right. <laughs> they just want to yeah. go get their, their paycheck. So different, different strokes for different folks. 
Yeah, I think that that whole conversation, it draws on the topic of value. Because I think a lot of people in society, they might think of like value only as what they see in a bank account. But like we're saying, we can give up this money in terms of an income for these other experience in life that are only enabled by a certain kind of way of contributing to society rather than being a corporation. You, you do something on your own. And I think, I think that's what is so attractive. I, I think what I'm hearing for you, but also for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. To be able, be able to create, especially today and age on the internet. I meant to say that too. Like just the fact that we're in 2023, soon to be 2024, you've got GPT, you've got all these tools. Um, I know certainly for me, I'm in the golden age of being able to run uh, an efficient, um, <laughs> you know, financial planning firm from from my home office. Like, like it's it's a dream. I love it. Um, I couldn't do this ten years ago. It didn't exist. There weren't the mm. tech, uh, there wasn't the networks. There wasn't the technology stack for me to do this. Um, everything was much more aggregated at the big, you know, the big firm level. So. Um, mm. Yeah, just for any industry. I mean, it's been, never been easier to go make a Twitter account, make a X, I guess now, make whatever, <laughs> create content, um, you know, become an expert in something, set up a landing page, sell your services. Like it's just, it, it's a golden age for folks trying to start that side hustle. Yeah, very, very interesting kind of rabbit hole to dive down. I'm sure it's a lot deeper, but uh, kind of out of the scope of, uh, I'm sure what cadets are interested in learning. Um, any other parting shots, last notes before uh, we end this conversation? No, I don't think so, man. Uh, this has been this has been great. I would just say, uh, no, I, I'm I'm obviously like I said, a huge fan of the academy and the experience it gives you, and um, the honestly the opportunities in the Air Force and, and at the academy, awesome opportunities. But then as you graduate only gets better. Everyone says that, right? It's, it's so great being on the other side, but no, it does. It only gets better. Opportunities are endless, whether that's staying in the military, um, you know, getting that pension, uh, getting, getting out working for some defense contractor, getting out, starting your own business. Like it is such a great, I'd say this a lot, like such a great launching pad for life. So I would just say, mm -hmm. you know, use it, use it, use it to, you know, it's fullest. Whatever that is for you, um, just know, know, know what you have, know what you're interested in and, and go pursue it. All right. Well, thank you for your time and your expertise. Um, I will give you a plug for your podcast because obviously we didn't cover everything here. Um, like I mentioned in the intro, you cover things pretty concisely and um, in an understandable fashion on your show. I'll let you finish the plug. Yeah, the Bluff Finance Podcast. Um, try to keep try to keep episodes if it's just me under under fifteen minutes uh, or so. Mm -hmm. uh, just covering different financial topics, uh, and we'll have some guests guests on there too. Um, typically, uh, the military members are veteran business owners uh, that are talking mm -hmm. about a specific topic. So, yeah, yeah, we're about twenty one episodes in. Just gonna keep keep on chugging. It's been fun so far. Awesome. Well. Like I said before, thank you for your time. Thank you for your perspective and expertise. And uh, everyone go check out his show. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show and see what the team is up to on our Instagram page for .the.zoomies as well as our website for the zoomies.com. Catch you on the next episode. Oh,